Well, I want to welcome you to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church, and I'm also one of the hosts of this podcast. And we're in the midst of a message series right now called Tough Questions, where we're taking the congregation's toughest questions and doing our best to address them with biblical wisdom and insight. And because we've received more questions than we can possibly address on a Sunday morning, we're we're trying to tackle some of these questions on our podcast here, and I am really privileged today uh, to have joined me uh, Millard Erickson. Uh, Millard um, and his wife attend Calvary Church, um, but Millard uh, has been a longtime uh, professor in, uh, in many seminaries, and uh, his systematic theology is sitting on my bookshelf uh, right next to me. And uh, Millard, it is a privilege to have you on today. Well, thank you, Tucker. It's a privilege to participate. We love Calvary. We're very happy here, and anything we can contribute, we're glad to do. Well, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, uh, and uh, just as a as a friend, um, but uh, as a mentor as well. Just as you know, you, I've uh, I appreciate your openness to addressing questions, and um, you know, you've also served in pastoral ministry as well, and so you you certainly know what pastoral ministry is like, and so I appreciate your uh, uh, your mentorship in that way, too. Speaking of questions, our question today is uh, uh, probably not a, a necessarily an easy one, although we'll, like, uh, we'll, well, I guess we'll find out. The question is, uh, is all sin equal? And so I'm going to just ask if you can help us gain some uh, wisdom around how do we address this question, is all sin equal? Well, Tucker, the problem when you ask a professor a question, he says, well, there are two other questions we have to ask about this question. And I won't uh, ask any questions about are or all, but we have to ask what is sin and what do we mean by equal? And sin uh, in sort of a boiled down version is anything that it falls short of the righteousness of God. Uh, it is basically one of my professors in graduate school, Philip Watson, wrote a book about the theology of Martin Luther, and he entitled it, Let God Be God. Anything in our actions, in our words, that is less than making God really the Lord of our lives and of recognizing his lordship over the universe, anything that falls short of that is sin. Uh, it can be omission. It can be direct violation of his uh, commands, but um, it is much more extensive than we tend to think. When you first posed this question to me, I said, that's an easy one, Tucker. Your <laughs> sins are much worse than mine. <laughs> and that's how we often tend to think, because we could rationalize. You know, you have to understand I was tired, or I'd been under a lot of pressure, and that's why this happened. Uh, we're, we're easily uh, uh, lulled into thinking that somehow our sins are, if not justified, at least they aren't that terribly bad. Of course, you can also go the other way, in which, uh, you know, I'm worse than anybody's ever been. Mm -hmm. And there are people that way, and that's a serious problem as well. But the other thing uh, we have to ask by equal, what do we mean? Uh, are all sins equal in the sight of God? 
Hmm. Is his response equal to all of sins? Are all of these equal in terms of what they do to us in our relationship to God? Or are all of these equal in terms of the consequences? And I think that's how many people think of it. How much harm is done by this? Uh, so that uh, I guess what we're saying is that uh, uh, sin is an elusive thing. It it, it permeates uh, so many areas. I had a roommate once who said original sin is sinning in a way no one ever thought of before. I, I don't think there is. I think we've discovered just about all the ways. There may be new ne- technologies by which to do it, but uh, the heart, Scripture says, is is desperately evil and deceptive. Mm. Um, so we can go from there. And you can give me some specifics. With the sermon series, it's been interesting because I feel like with a number of questions, there's kind of a question beneath the question. Do you feel like with this particular question, because I'm sure you've been asked this before, is there a question beneath the question here? Is there a reason that you presume that this person who's asking this is asking? Yes, and uh, uh, especially, I guess, in in pastoral care, you learn, well, you don't really analyze it. You almost sort of sense it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, a person here from the church with whom I had a discussion last Sunday and and this past Sunday, a week ago and then yesterday, uh, there was a reason behind the theological question. Mm-hmm. Often these stem from a personal situation. They may stem from relationship to another person. Uh, but the theological issue often has a practical or an existential kind of a, a basis for it. Um. Let's maybe unpack that that concept of equal a little bit more. Uh, you made the comment that in terms of how God responds to to sin, um, it might not be the same. It might be different depending on what the sin is. Can you help us understand that a little bit more? Okay. In one sense, any sin separates us from God. Mm-hmm. So what we might call little sins uh, are equally serious. Mm-hmm. You know, it. it matters not, and this is paralleling another area, if you shot someone to death, it doesn't matter whether it's a 22 caliber bullet or a 45 caliber. <laughs> and uh, when you talk about sin in relationship to God, anything that falls short of what he desires us to be, hmm. anything that uh, by our attitude or action shows that in effect we don't really consider God to be the the Lord of our lives, that separates us. And that's enough to, to uh, mean that if not rectified, if we don't turn back to God and have forgiven, that will separate us from him for all eternity. Uh, but having said that, uh, there are still um, several variations. We tend to think, uh, I, at least it seems to me this is the case that often we tend to think of actions as more serious than omissions. But James said to anyone who knows to do sin, or to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So uh, the ways we often measure it, um, you know, this is a, a horrible sin. I've committed murder or some terrible transgression of one of God's primary laws. But that is... That separates us from God, but so does the little uh, omission of doing what he asks us to do. 
Um, so maybe it. So would you say it's correct to say that for to the answer to this question is it sort of depends. Um, in one sense, uh, yes, all sins are equal, and then in another sense. In another sense, no, like yes, in terms of, you know, even the, what we might consider the smallest sin separates us from God, but they have different consequences, ramifications right. in and, terms and, of our relationships with others. Or, And there are some that, that scripture seems to indicate are more offensive to God, that he speaks okay. out sharply. And uh, I write, read through the Bible, you know, through the year, and I've done it for about 15 years, and you read something each day from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, mm-hmm. from Psalms, and from Proverbs. And uh, in the in major prophets now, and in Jeremiah, and it is repetitious, the, the sin of these people and mm-hmm. how they keep turning away from God, and particularly how abhorrent it is to God that they go after other gods mm-hmm. who are false gods. And when you read something like Isaiah 41 to 48, over and over again, he proves the way in which he's different from these other gods. Let them tell you what the future is going to be, whereas mm-hmm. I have told you this. Yeah. Um, and you know the certain acts of worship of false gods like those who worship Moloch and offer their own children as, hmm. as sacrifices. These seem to, to be particularly uh, disturbing to God. Uh, he talks about, Jesus said, for example, about leading the, the little ones away. He says, uh, things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourself. Mm. That's apparently in, in Jesus' sight, that, that's strong language. Yeah. That, that is really bad. And the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, uh, where Jesus said, I tell you, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whosoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of eternal sin. And I've, over the years in pastoral uh, work, had people come to me and say, I, I, I'm afraid I've committed the unforgivable mm-hmm. sin. And I point out in that context, what it really is, is the unrepentable sin. Mm. The person has gone so far that they are, the Holy Spirit can no longer yeah. bring them back to repentance. If they were to repent, they would be forgiven of that. But it's, if you've gone that far, you have really hardened your heart. Is uh, that, uh, I mean, would you, is that similar to perhaps Pharaoh, I think a Pharaoh in the Exodus where I mean, I know we have the, the that tension of God hardens Pharaoh's heart, but then also it describes Pharaoh as hardening his own heart. But the concept of Pharaoh hardening his heart to a point of uh, where it becomes uh, impossible for him to repent. I mean, do you think that's... Uh, it seems that way because, you know, he repents, but as soon as <laughs> that plague is removed, then he re- goes right back to it. And, you know, we could really get in discussion about God hardening and Pharaoh hardening. But in a sense, one way of interpreting is the way God hardened it was he stepped up the intensity of mm. the temptation. Uh, and he, at each point, it's a it's a more difficult test and Pharaoh fails them all. Mm. And he's gotten to the point where as soon as the pressure is off, uh, he comes back at that again. So, I, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, uh, 
wondering if, you know, have I committed the, the unforgivable, unpardonable sin that Jesus describes? And I think the way that you describe it is really helpful that maybe it's better to describe it as an unrepentable sin that we, we harden our hearts so much that they become calloused and um, desensitized in some way to our own sin, perhaps. As you look at the Pharisees, I, all that they knew from the Old Testament, they should have known enough mm-hmm. uh, to have gotten it right. But in the face of all of their knowledge, they still rejected the the truth when it came in the form of Jesus. And you know, one of the principles is um, in Scripture that responsibility is proportional to, to knowledge. Mm. And uh, the in one case, Jesus talks about the person that uh, has has sinned and did or didn't know what the master wanted him to do and failed mm-hmm. to do it will be be beaten with few lashes, but the one who knew and still failed mm-hmm. to do the the uh, master's will will be beaten with more lashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a serious thing to have yeah. a, a full exposure to God's truth and then reject it. This question is perhaps related. Uh, it's another question that we received, and paraphrasing, but can someone be a Christian and live with persistent sin in their life? Um, there's probably more questions that uh, you would ask regarding this question, but how would you respond to someone? Well, uh, there comes that kind of insensitivity. Yeah. It may be insensitivity in the first place. Um, and the statement I made at the beginning about your sins are worse than mine, and then I talked about the the reverse, people that are overly sensitive. But there are people that can look right at the truth Hmm. and persist in the face of it. Um, And this, the case you're talking about is a person for whom this has become habitual, Hmm. uh, and it becomes harder and harder to get through. Is that person a, a genuine Christian? and just somehow is blinded to this? Um, is God through with this person yet? You know, I've often asked uh, about the person who seemed to be a Christian and, and has fallen away. And the first question I ask is, is the person still alive? Yeah. Because that, that isn't over yet. So God may yet bring those people back to him, but uh, if they are really confronted with the truth and understand it and still say, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyhow, then I would question how genuine is that person's relationship with the Lord? Is, has there been a, a real renewing of the, the spirit of the person? Are there other passages in um, either the Old or New Testaments that you, you have found helpful in terms of understanding this concept of, of sin, what it is, and God's response to our sin? Well, the ones I mentioned about uh, responsibility and knowledge and so on. Uh, the other thing, you know, we tend to to talk about big and small sins. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing in in Matthew five, Jesus talked about uh, you shall not murder, but if you have in your heart hated the person, you have in effect committed murder. Now. Uh, either sin is enough to separate you from God, to, to create a, a, a severance of that relationship yeah. or a breaking of the, the relationship. But 
it, it's still more serious. Uh, if I hate my brother, it's more serious if I kill him. Yeah. Uh, because of the consequence, because it cuts off his opportunity for for the relationship to God within this life. Um, but uh, we can we sometimes work it in reverse and say, well, I was just you know I spoke harshly to him. I didn't didn't strike him. I didn't shoot him. I didn't do yeah. any of those things. Um, to strike that balance so that we're sensitive to this um, in ourselves, and yet not always wringing our hands and worrying, what have I done now? Um, God. I think over based upon scripture forgives sins that we would repent of if we were conscious of them. Uh, it's, it's the spirit of the heart there. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, even first John chapter one, the very end and in spilling over into chapter two, but you know, first John one, nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then, yeah, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And that seems to be very much like what you were saying, that that seems to be to me like the person who's hardened their heart to uh, to be able to say that I have not sinned seems like a unwillingness to repent, um, a hardening of our hearts so much. Um, or I think of like I go, going back to Exodus two or the or you know numbers with the, the the wilderness wandering generation that hardened their hearts at Massa and Meribah and were unwilling to repent. Um, they had short memories after having. Seen yeah. Them. What What are some of the kind of bringing this conversation into our context today? What are some of the sins that you feel like in the church we we like to say that, you know, those sins are, are worse. Kind of like you were jokingly saying earlier, like those sins are worse than my sins. Are there, are there particular sins that you feel like we have a tendency to go to? Well, um, I don't know to what extent, uh, to generalize this to others, but, you know, I, I have too much of a tendency to pass judgment on others. Yeah. You know, if you set a high standard for yourself, then you tend to apply it yeah. others the the christian that is sensitive in reading scripture to measuring himself against that well then it's an easy transition to to measure others without knowing mm-hmm. their hearts or their motives or their thoughts on that what is happening is that uh, uh, much of our thinking is being shaped by the many forces out there and right now in the kind of uh, uh, age we live in there is impinging upon us so many sources of ideas and, mm-hmm. and the spirit in which it's done uh, that we don't always uh, distinguish to what extent I've gotten this from Scripture and to what extent this is something that I've just sort of soaked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other side of it, um, uh, we we can run right over Scripture sometimes and not think about certain aspects. For example, I'll pick on one here. Um, in Genesis 1, God immediately after creating um, Adam says, now you'd have dominion over, you know, the fish in the air, mm-hmm. uh, the fish of the water and the birds in the air and so on. Um, but that word dominion uh, is the same as God's having dominion over us, which is 
not exploiting or using for one's own benefit, but concern for the welfare of the other. Mm. And I'm afraid we haven't always, including uh, conservative Christians, haven't always been as sensitive as we should to our responsibility to God's creation. Mm. Uh, we tend to think, well, it's all for our benefit. Yeah. But there are some interesting uh, points in Scripture. At the very end of the book of Jonah, I think we usually run right over it, but God says, uh, you know, Jonah was kind of unhappy that Nineveh had been spared. And God says, well, shouldn't I uh, be concerned for all these who don't really know right from wrong? And besides that, in Nineveh, there are many cattle. Many cattle. That seemed to be a consideration, too, that should I destroy these cattle? And his hmm. yeah, I've uh, never Jesus argument, uh, you know, about God watches over you because not one sparrow can fall to the earth without. Now, the argument, the, the, and I could give you the logical term for it, but the argument is such that if he cares about this and you are a more, uh, you are greater in the hierarchy of his creation, and he doesn't let one sparrow fall to the earth without his knowledge. Won't he care for you more? Now, the conclusion, the point that's being made is God will take care of you because you matter to him. But the logic of the argument, one of the premises is the birds are also a value to them. Hmm. Uh, I, I cannot, well, I don't really hunt and I, I'm not condemning people that do hunt, but... Uh, you know, I say, I don't think I could look down a barrel of gun and shoot Bambi. <laughs> but, um, and any fishing that I've done has been catch and release. And it works well with bass because they hook in their mouth and you can unhook them so easily. Um, the idea of just for the fun of it, slaughtering members of God's creation that God cares about and loves too. Uh, I don't know if, if we always think about things like that. Mm. And the heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist said. But I've been in places, not just in L.A. area, but where the heavens can't declare the glory of God because you can't see them through the smog. Mm. Uh, are we, by contributing to that situation, that pollution, are we hindering what the creation was designed to do for us. Hmm. Um, some people say, well, you know, there's so many big sins, you shouldn't go meddling on things like that. But if it's important to God, hmm. we really ought to think about that. Do you think that uh, there's some uh, theological misunderstandings that are driving that, that you know, I, I sometimes hear people say, well, it's just going to burn in the end anyways. And, <laughs> I mean, to me, that seems like a misreading of... The, the overall biblical storyline. I think line. it is a misreading of that, yeah. Um, that the, it's a, it's a, a new creation in the sense of uh, uh, restoration, um, not a complete scrapping of the old. Is that accurate, yes. you think? Yeah, I would say. Okay. And, um, you know, evil is going to come and suffering is going to come. We can't prevent all of it happening, I mean, even to other human beings, but we should do all we can to minimize hmm. the evil and the, the consequences. You know, I, I say to myself, well, as, as God looks out upon our world, what makes him weep? Hmm. Not literally, of course, but what grieves the heart of God? And hmm. you, you read the Old Testament, especially those prophets, uh, some of those things really grieved uh, the heart of God. Um, 
we need to be sensitive to that. You yeah. know, we think about the big things and, you know, I'm glad I've never committed a murder or committed adultery or any of these kinds of things that get enumerated that are thought of as the big sins. But I've neglected an awful lot of things. That uh, that comment re- uh, uh, it gets me to think about, like, if I'm asking this question, and I'm glad this person asked this question, but coming back to the motivation behind it, like if the motivation behind a question like this is, can I kind of get myself off the hook because my sins are not as grievous as the one who's committed adultery or murder, then um, it seems to me that it shows a, a lack of understanding of how offensive our own sins are uh, before a holy God. Is that Yeah, I think so. Right? And... and uh... There was a reason why Jesus said what he did in in Matthew 5, not only about hating your brother, but uh, he talked about adultery and the person who in his heart has lusted after Mm. this other person has in his heart committed adultery. Now, in one sense, it's not as serious as if the actual act had been done because that Mm-hmm. does some things to other persons, whereas the, the lusting after the person, the other person may not even know that. Yeah. So they are not affected by it. But it the point is uh, um, any deviation from the perfect righteousness of God, mm-hmm. any extent to which we are not perfect as God is perfect, is sin. Mm-hmm. Now, you can drive yourself... Uh, uh, what... Did desperation yeah. if at every moment uh, you're sensitive to everything. I remember a friend I had in seminary, and he was from the West Coast. So he didn't have any place to go home at Easter, so I invited him to my, my parents' home, and I hadn't realized till, till this. He apologized for everything, you know, and <laughs> for not helping my mother with certain things. And after a while... This excessive apology, you feel like saying, stop already. <laughs> <laughs> like a hyperactive uh, yeah, conscience. Yeah. yeah. And um, there can be that kind of a problem to the person that, that obsesses all the time with his sins yeah. or her sins, got to be equal opportunity, uh, <laughs> uh, may not be doing the positive things that yeah. God wants. That's in, yeah, I, I think we often think of the negative rather than yeah. the those those sins that those sins of omission. Yeah. Martin Luther before his his conversion if you've read any these biographies of him and and I have a fascination for Luther with all of his shortcomings uh, but he was just vexed by this, you know. Hmm. Uh, he was very sensitive to to what God's standard was, but when he he discovered that truth, and in the, in the movie Martin Luther, he he reads that passage of Romans: "The just shall live by faith." And then in the movie, he writes, "Alone." Hmm. Um, that was a tremendous discovery. That was the principle of the Reformation. Yeah. Um, and maybe God had to have someone that sensitive to to overly sensitive to come along and to be able to realize to, the immensity of the relief. Hmm. My sins are forgiven by the grace of God hmm. accepted by faith alone. Well, and I feel like we could have <laughs> another two hours of the conversation on this. Are, you know, are there any, uh, are there any last 
thoughts or words that you'd want to, you know, give to those who are listening and, and maybe even to, you know, I don't know who asked this question, but uh, whoever asked this question. I guess I would come back with that assurance of the grace of God. Hmm. Uh, whether our sins are seemingly small or large, whether we are unaware of them, whether we are sensitive to them or not, the point is God can forgive all things, and it mm. isn't by something we have to do. Mm. Uh, I, uh, I used to go to the Y on Thanksgiving morning and exercise. So that you felt better about yes. your— <laughs> and one day I, I said to one of the—, the uh, one of those— Thursdays to uh, one of the trainers whom I knew pretty well. I said, uh, I am burning my calories now before I eat Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I likened it to the indulgence system where, in effect, you paid for your sins before you, you committed them. Uh, she said, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Um, well, that's good. With uh, you know Thanksgiving, you know a little more than a, a month away, yeah. <laughs> I might remember that one. Well, the point is, we can't. Yeah, we can't atone for our own sins, and praise God, we don't have to. Mm. I uh, I want to thank you for your time. This has been a, a real uh, a treat to have you on, and um, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Well, thank you for having me on. I have enjoyed our conversation as well, and I suspect we will. This is not the last time we have, I, will talk about this. I subject. don't think so. Well, thank you again, uh, Millard. It's been a, a pleasure, and I want to thank those of you who uh, listened today. Uh, if you have further questions about this topic, we would love to hear from you. You can find our contact information online at calvarychurch.us. Uh, we have two services on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1030 at both of our campuses here in Roseville and White Bear, Minnesota. Uh, but until next time, um, we, uh, we hope that you've been encouraged uh, by today's episode and been reminded of the, the amazing uh, grace uh, that God has displayed for us in the person of Jesus. We'll see you next week.